it, it's really a process of trial and error. Like, if you don't try something a little bit, how will you know that you don't like it? Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. You're very welcome to the Graduate Compass podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It is an absolute pleasure to have you uh, uh, on the on the show. And today is kind of an unusual show because we're actually live on TikTok, which is yes. really, really cool. Um, just Thank to get you started, so much for having me. You're very, very welcome. Sorry for cutting across you there. Um, just to get started with, can you just, I suppose, introduce yourself to anyone who doesn't know you and um, tell us a little bit about yourself? So, hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Amit. I am currently a medical microbiology master's student at the University of Kiel. Uh, that's a small university in uh, North Staffordshire. Um, and I'm currently working my uh, master's thesis. Uh, I also st- decided that I was going to be a TikToker part-time back sometime in uh, November in order to buy a Lamborghini as a joke. 40,000 followers later, here I am. So, yeah. So, um, And in terms of the content I make, I try and make more like academic um, dissertation writing videos, things where, you know, your lecturers really should explain this stuff, but due to time constraints or it just not being on the syllabus, they don't. So, yeah, that's that's kind of me. And uh, I'm sure we can talk a bit more about what I'll be doing, well, gosh, in September now, uh, later on. Well, I was actually going to jump straight into that as, as a starting point, if that's okay, because what we'll do is we'll start where you're at now and we'll go right back to the to, to the beginning and kind of what started you there, because you've got quite a big change coming up in the next kind of couple of weeks, don't you? Yeah, so um, I'll be moving, uh, leaving Kiel after five long years, be leaving here, uh, and then in September I'll be starting my PhD, or DPhil as they call them there, at the University of Oxford uh, in Interdisciplinary Biosciences. So I'll be, uh, my project will be to do with investigating the um, microbes that live in the liver. So I'm really excited about that. We'll go ask a bit more about that a bit later on, but I just kind of, I says for anyone who's watching them, I'd be kind of feeling that just seems like an incredible thing to have achieved. You know, Oxford is, is, is known yeah. as one of the most famous universities in the world. It's a massive achievement to get in there at a PhD level. Let's, before we kind of go into, into that detail, let's go right back to the start. What made you want to go down the science routes and how did this whole kind of journey begin? So a lot of my family uh, was in healthcare, uh, like a lot of them are nurses and other healthcare professionals. And initially, uh, this is going to come as no surprise, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Um, and, you know, I worked during my um, GCSEs, A-levels for that. My grades didn't kind of really allow me to do that. So I chose to do um, an undergraduate degree in biochemistry instead. And as I was doing my degree, I kind of, really understood that I was enjoying more of the science and the research side of things more than I was with the, just the human, like, patient-based stuff. Uh, at Kiel, we're quite fortunate in the fact that there is a lot of science content. But there's a lot, it's, it's got this healthcare spin on things. Um, and I found that I was really enjoying the scientific um, discoveries and things like that. So um, I chose to go on and do my master's, which was more um, in microbiology, obviously. The elephant in the room doing the microbiology masters in the pandemic wasn't probably wasn't my best idea. But um, uh, 
that kind of further cemented the the notion that doing research or working in the healthcare space doesn't necessarily have mean working directly with patients. It doesn't mean me being at the bedside. It could me mean me being in a lab somewhere processing results because that is without that infrastructure, without all the necessary pipelines, the doctors wouldn't be able to make a diagnosing decision. Um, and I found that the opportunities and the science side of things were a little, more, little bit more branching out. So I think that's what made me decide um, to really stick with science. And then eventually now I'm committing to a four-year PhD. So I think that's, that's my best answer. If, if we can just like, I suppose, because it's quite topical, because at the time of recording here, it, you know, it's A-levels results say yesterday. You kind of mentioned that that the A levels kind of didn't kind of go maybe exactly what you wanted initially. How did you kind of bounce back from that, and how did you kind of figure out what an alternative option you would be? So um, I'll, I'll be quite transparent and honest here. I got three Ds at A level. I did shockingly bad. Like uh, it was a combination of me being quite stupid and um, perhaps not focusing as well. But I had some some family issues going on at the time, so. There was a whole combination of things which really meant that I was not in the best space to achieve what I could then. Um, and I remember opening my results on results day and I was expecting like a, not not 3D. So I was opening my results and I was like, right, I've got, I've got some work to do here. Um, so I got on the phone. We had a bit, uh, so we got our results in a big hall and then I got on, you went round and there were all the teachers lined up to do clearing. Um, so I got on the, on the phone uh, with my teachers and uh, one of them said, oh, Keel's got this thing called the foundation year. And I was like, oh, that sounds a bit mm, like, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm, a, I'm beyond that. Um, but I, I gave Keel a call anyway. And I was like, oh, here are my grades. And they're like, yes, you can come, provided you do this foundation year. So I, I got some more information about it. I was like, okay, what, what does this foundation year involve? And basically, it was me essentially redoing my A-levels, but in the span of... I guess six months because you did like first year A levels in the fir first semester and second year A levels in the second semester. So it was a lot lot more condensed, but it was taught by uni lecturers. So they had a, a real intimate understanding of the, the course and the content. And as well as that, unlike the, well, I don't know about these days with uh, how they're assessed as much now, um, but I know it's mostly exam-based, but a lot of my... Um, uh, assessments of my foundation year half of them were exam based so pure knowledge exams multiple choice essay that kind of thing but the other 50 percent of it was um based on practical skills so i had plenty of labs to do that i had to turn up for and uh, write quite extensive lab reports for i had uh, different seminars different things like that. like it was a it wasn't just based on this memory test it was a whole group of things and that kind of really set me up for then the rest of my degree Obviously, during a, um, during all of this, I couldn't really shake the whole three Ds uh, hanging over my head. So I kind of had to work a little bit harder than my peers to get some of the, some of the roles that I wanted. So I tried to make some of my experiences um, that I was getting on the side a lot more varied. So things like <laughs> I went to work in Mackey's for a summer. I taught English to Chinese students for a, for a summer virtually. This was before Zoom Zoom calls were cool, um, and then. Uh, I worked as a recruiter for a recruiting firm alongside doing my final year dissertation. So I think there, there are things that I realized I had to do and, and stretch myself further than my peers um, just because I had that extra. 
I don't call it baggage, but I had a, a lower starting point, if, if you will. But it, and it, I think that's... Got sorry, it. mate, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, like, it, it does sound like that, like you've turned what it was a very perhaps difficult, challenging start with, with that kind of, you know, shock surprise, uh, you know, the, the grades into something really positive. I mean, you don't, you don't kind of achieve what you've achieved in the meantime, being stupid and being like without hard work. So maybe just like in a weird way, maybe it kind of worked out really well for you. I don't know. How, how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I think um, it's always been the kind of like chip on my shoulder, like especially during the, the foundation year, I was kind of doing like the, the, my main driver was, you're not really stupid. Like you sound smart. So, you know, why don't you, why don't you get the grades to prove it? So that was like my main driver. But then going into like my undergrad, um I kind of then you put into a year group full of other people that did do well. And I was like, right, well now I've got imposter syndrome. So I've got to now keep that intensity of work and keep the pace up so that I can match with my peers. Obviously that's not a not the best mentality to have, but it's been a great driver to to help me like really propel myself forward. And and I suppose like it's it's interesting because as you were going through all this, was the was the, the thought about medicine still kind of going on in your head? And at what so at what point did you realize actually, you know, the research was more uh, of the the area you were interested in? So I uh, I applied for medicine um, this year actually. So um, but because um, and I don't know whether much of your audience has looked into like how graduate funding for medicine works, but um, basically once you've already got a degree it becomes quite difficult to then acquire, unless you do the graduate entry programs, it becomes quite expensive to fund a medicine course. Uh, and the graduate entry, entry uh, courses are fiercely competitive. Um, and I thought, so I, I applied at undergrad. I didn't really, I didn't get in at the time because my entry, like my UCAT and my, uh, I didn't do the GAMS at the time, but my UCAT wasn't that. It was good, but it wasn't grad med good. So, and then my, um the second time I applied so this was during my master's um I got to interview but they um I got put on the wait list so I was like right let me let me reconsider let me let me take a step back and think am I doing this for the right reason because if I keep just applying for the sake of wanting to do this and like am I really applying myself in the correct way so I had to look at all my career options and thought right I could I could try again and you know keep going and going and you know through perseverance I've got friends who've done this like many many times and they've eventually gotten in but I've reevaluated I took a look back as to why I wanted to to do medicine I thought I'm kind of doing it for the wrong re reasons so I thought well I like the idea of like working in industry in terms of science and I like the idea of you know the, all the lab stuff and all the research that I like. A PhD doesn't sound too bad at this point, <laughs> so I thought, you know what? Let me let me try and uh, explore this route. And I, I'm unsure if you know about the. Oh no, we I know we mentioned it before how competitive PhDs were, uh, especially this year round. Um, you know, it makes the competition it pales the competition for medicine this year. Um, but I thought that, and especially um, the interviews that I had. I was a lot more passionate about it. I thought that I could express myself and my ideas a lot more fruitfully than I did in some of my medicine interviews. And it was kind of during those interviews I realized, right, no, this this is actually what I want to do. This is, I want to be, you know, not necessarily stuck in a lab because I'm, I'm more of a computational guy, but I want to be 
working on the big picture stuff, not just on a case-by-case basis. So I think that's kind of where it switched for me. But I, I love that. And I love, like, you know, the, the two parts of the story so far, which I really enjoy, like, not just the fact that you kind of use the negative to, to turn to a positive, but the fact that you've self-reflected, because as people may or may not know, like, I, I work in careers education. I work with graduates, like, all, all day, every day. And, and it is a huge part of the journey of kind of reflecting, going, you know what, actually, this this isn't for me. So, you know, fair play to you for kind of I suppose, coming to that realization, because a lot of people don't get to that point, maybe uh, kind of probably, uh, a bit down the line. So what was the I, I want to focus particularly on, on um, you know, uh, I think it was 12 months ago when you finished your undergraduate. Correct me if I'm wrong, the dates in that one. And um, what was the motivation, no, correct. What, what was the motivation to stick with Keel and, and do the master's or what, what were you thinking as you were graduating? Because that's a, that's a that's kind of a pinnacle point for a lot of graduates. Yeah. Um, so I so I applied to for the master's pre pre pandemic. So I had no idea it was coming as it you know, everybody. Um, so I got my offer to do the Masters at Kiel, um, December 2019. And um, so the way it works, and I'm sure a lot of institutions have something similar for like a, um, you know, graduate retention is that they definitely, they give you a, some kind of discount. So Kiel gave me 20% off the course fees and um, the entry requirements. So um, for everybody else, it was a 2-1. But um, if you were a Keel student, you um, your entry requirements were dropped, so you, uh, you only needed two two to get it. So those were um, the initial like pushing factors uh, to get me interested. But what also interested me was that my current lec- well my lecturer, uh, who was my supervisor for my undergraduate uh, dissertation, was a uh, a microbiologist herself. Um, so and my project was in microbiology. And through some conversations, she was like, "Why don't, why don't you consider this? Like, from speaking to you and um, understanding your motivations, this this kind of course would would suit you." And I, I had a look at the brochure, and it was really nicely split between people who were just academics and people who actually worked mm-hmm. in the NHS or in mm-hmm. Public Health England. I've been fortunate enough to have some quite interesting uh, conversations with uh, lecturers for, who've worked in Public Health England. And I think it was that variety which made me stick with it. Uh, obviously, then pandemic hit, so uh, I thought, all right, I'm, 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 when I'm at uni, I'm working, and then when I go home and people ask me questions, I'm still working. But it's it's kept me busy, and it's kept me um, more importantly, it's kept me engaged. I think if I was doing a, a panic masters, like if I hadn't thought it through, given the year we've had, I definitely wouldn't have stuck with it. But I'm glad that I have, uh, and it's something that I've been passionate about. Well, well done for, for sticking to it, because it has been very tough for anyone studying this year, as it has been tough across the board, but for everyone in yeah. general. Um, okay, so uh, there's a couple things I kind of want to focus on. What, one is, is, you know, you mentioned at the start about the fact that you had quite a lot of work experiences. you were going through your degree. You talked about, you know, the fact that you were, you were teaching English at one stage. What other things did you do to kind of improve your experience and make yourself more employable and kind of widen your, your, your experience, I suppose? Yeah, um, so... I knew that I had the kind of, I'm going to say the, the the stigma of, oh, he didn't do well in his A-levels. And a lot of jobs that I applied for asked, oh, what, what are your A-levels? And I kind of thought to myself, hold on a minute, I've got a degree, like, or I'm getting a degree. Why do you, why do you care? Um, and it's only until I kind of got to that master's level where people just don't ask you anymore. Um, so during my undergrad, I was like, right, I have to make myself stick out from everyone else. 
for for the right reasons, not like oh, okay, he doesn't pass this minimum threshold. So uh, I'll talk you through some of my more interesting experiences. So one of them was um, that teaching English. So I'm a I'm a I'm in STEM. English teaching is certainly not my domain, but um, during the summer, I think it was some summer 2017, I thought to, I just out of the blue it was like, you know, people learn things online. I was having a conversation with uh, with a friend at the time. I was like, why why don't we have a go at um, teaching English? English is our first language. Like, <laughs> why not? So I signed up for this company called IQ Bar. I'm mentioning them by name because they're fantastic. I've had a really really good time with them. Um, but it was essentially a company that was based in partly in the UK and partly in China. And I had to uh, like plan and deliver uh, English lessons along their syllabus to um, Chinese children. So that was my youngest student was two. and My oldest student was 18, uh, not including the parents that would often sit in on the lectures, uh, not lectures, lessons and join in. So it was quite a quite an experience. But I think I think that that was a real like point of growth for my communication skills because obviously nothing charge, um, challenges you harder than when somebody doesn't speak the same language as you so you've really got to think about how you're communicating things and in the tone the manner even you know your hand gestures um, all that kind of thing you really got to think about how you communicate so that was probably my uh, one of my first realization that hold on my grades aren't the imp only important thing here I need Communication. Communication is arguably more important. So then I went to work in Mackey's. So I worked in Mackey's in South London. And um, that's another point where I was on the tilt. And everybody's been to uh, fast food restaurants where you, you get a, a range of different customers. And some of them aren't nice, some of them are, but you need to be able to speak to different people. And I think that really helped me develop my communication skills further. And I found that it was then when I clicked, I was like, right. I've, I've, I started putting this on my CV. I was like, right, I am a good communicator. I can communicate with a wider range of audiences. I can talk to people that uh, maybe don't understand difficult concepts and things like that. And that really helped me stand out. And I will say that helped me during my um, PhD interview as well, because a big part of uh, further academics is communicating ideas. You can be the smartest person in the room. And I know for certain that there were smarter people for the position available. But I, I like to think that I was a better communicator just because you're only as smart as you can get your ideas out. And if you can deliver those ideas and work on that communication skill, you can that, that will take you further. So communication is, is the one thing I hammer home to everybody. Like, just get out there. I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly repeating myself, but I just, I just love how you've sort of like demystified the kind of the journey to Oxford where I think, I think there's, perhaps this is just me but 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 i think there's sort of this, this stigma of like oh my god you must be the you know the smartest person in the room and you you've really gone through the whole processes there of kind of like like figuring yourself out figuring out your communication style figuring out the hard work and kind of bringing that to to, to you know an area of focus which is you know absolutely fantastic and um, which then brings us to the point of like i suppose you know you mentioned previously about the fact that you you were you were very passionate about your phd tell us about that how, how that came about what made you go for that project and, and just how you generally got to that place yeah, so I was looking for my PhD from, I guess, beginning of January, really. And because um, I was still trying to figure out, like, when it comes to PhD applications, you've got funded PhDs, which are like creme de la creme, everybody wants. And you've got self-funded PhDs where you're effectively paying to be a member of staff there. I'm not going to say they're, they're bad. I'm just going to say 
they're not as good as getting a funded PhD, especially from the financial considerations and the level of support you get. Um, so I was looking at funded PhDs and there was, I know there was a couple of friends, I think it was Leeds, where there was one applicant, uh, no, one space for 700 applicants. So certainly by no means a, a not competitive process, like in certain cases more competitive than medicine. And um, I kind of, I use the site, uh, findaphd.com, brilliant site, recommend everybody uses it, um, where I found the email of the supervisor, or firstly, I filtered by what I wanted. So when you get to PhD level, you kind of really need to focus on what what it is you want to do. Um, so I knew that my, my passion was in microbiology, as well as computational biology. So doing things on computers, working with very, really big data sets. So I thought, right, let me see if I can find anything that fits those two categories. And I was scrolling through pages and pages, and it isn't really worth applying to like a whole bunch of PhDs, because if you do get one that you don't like, you're now stuck with that for four years or three years, or however long it might be. But so I found this one at um, Oxford, and I saw the supervisor. I was like, right, let me email the supervisor, because it said, like, have a conversation before you apply. And I, I spoke to the supervisor, and from even that brief 15-minute conversation I had, he was like, if you if you can get get your application in quickly so and i was i was kind of hooked from that point because we were talking about all the things we were going to do in terms of the computational side so um working with big servers big data that kind of thing and then all the things we're going to do in the wet lab so uh, working with animals and uh live samples things like that and i was like yeah no this is this is it this is for me so uh and i think what kind of gave it away that i wanted to do it is through all of the interviews and because i had one conversation, one kind of ambush interview, I'm going to call it, where he said it wasn't going to be an interview, but it ended up being an interview. Um, and then a proper panel interview. Through all of them, I just had a massive grin on my face because I was like, whilst I was nervous, I was absolutely bricking it. I was actually just happy to, to be able to, to even get the chance to have a go at this research. Uh, and I think that's kind of what came across is that, yeah, I, I actually wanted to be there. I wanted to do it. So I guess that's the, that's the main thing. And I, and I suppose it is that like point of that, you know, to, to get into that PhD frame of mind, it ha you have to be so obsessive in that, in that kind of, you know, that, that passion. And as you said, if you'd been stuck with something that was, that was bad or and not bad, but something that didn't fit you would have been an absolutely awful experience. You wouldn't have had that same grin. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really good to hear. Yeah. I will say the same, uh, the same kind of applies when you're, you're looking at masters that are, also interview. So I was uh, I was in the position where I didn't have to do an interview, I didn't have to write a personal statement. But um, a few of, so my course right now is kind of split half students who did do, um, like are from Kiel and didn't, went straight in and half who weren't. And they had to write a statement. And I think now knowing those people, they're my friends now, they've got that same passion for their subject. And that's what they showed during those statements and uh, interactions with my, my tutor. So. If you if you turn up with a giant grin on your face, or you're talking to the, the supervisor, who and you show the same level of enthusiasm as them, they're gonna they're gonna automatic well not automatically but subconsciously that yes this person we we like them. <laughs> so, and, and I think people sometimes underestimate that that like that enthusiasm and it, whether it's a studying or whether it's a job that that can be infectious and often people you know um, really respond really well to, to that. I, I suppose it, then that kind of leads us into into what's happened with TikTok with you because you've become this sort of like massive presence on TikTok with 
you know, your 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 study hacks and with all your kind of like insights and in, in university life. Um, and I suppose that again reflects your passion for academia and, and that whole environment. How did that come about? So I think it was exactly, I think it was like the 27th, 28th of November, right in, in 2020. And I was sitting in my partner's apartment because uh, we both had the app. And I turned to her and I jokingly said, okay, this is how I'm going to buy us a Lamborghini. <laughs> um, you know, because you saw people blow up and you've got all these massive TikTokers uh, making loads of money. I was like, right, here's what I really like. I'm just going to start making videos. And at the time, the only thing I really knew to make videos were was a uh, silly microbiology jokes that weren't funny. <laughs> like uh, if you go back, most of them I've taken down because mm, uh, they weren't. They were very cringy, I'll be honest. Uh, but uh, I didn't really find my footing until um, January. So it was kind of about two months of just stumbling around trying to figure out what I wanted. Like I thought, you know, maybe I could be one of these lifestyle people, and so I, I revealed. Uh, I had a video of me eating uh, Nutella as I overcame my um, uh, nut allergy and um, all that kind of thing. It didn't really stick. Uh, but then I saw a video of somebody talking about dissertations and that had done quite well. And I thought, right, I've written two of those. <laughs> so, and I got an 80 in one of them. So let me let me share some advice. Maybe somebody will find it useful. So. I remember this one quite vividly because this is what how where it took off. Uh, I was sitting in my chair, my protein t-shirt on, and I was just pointing. It was the first pointing video I did, and um, I was like, "Oh, this is what I did for for my dissertation uh, to get an eighty. And that video just blew up. I was like, it was like eighty k, hundred k, which was unseen for my chip page. I was like, "Whoa, okay, I'm onto something here." But the thing that then spurred me on was all the comments and questions I was getting. So I was like, oh, how do I write an introduction? How do I do this? How do I do that? Can you help me with the discussion? So I just started making videos on it. Like it was something that I'd, I'd learned to do and it was something that I was learning as well myself. Um, one thing that you kind of engage with in the masters is how to write academically properly. Uh, so concise writing, um, critical analysis at like a real in-depth level. And one of the best ways to learn that stuff for yourself is to teach. And so, by doing this, uh, these videos, I really cemented it for myself as well. And I just found that I kept going with these study videos and the study hacks, and especially during at the time where um, students weren't getting the most access to their lecturers and they weren't getting um, perhaps the speediest of responses like they would during normal times, they, could, they found that they could come to my page, have a scroll through my videos, find something that, oh, I need to write an essay, he's got something on this, or I need to do this, he's got a video there they found that my my page became kind of a resource bank for them and it was free so i guess that's kind of how it spurred on and then one thing led to another and the sponsorship started getting in and the lamborghini seems a little bit closer now <laughs> well hopefully it'll it'll come sooner rather than later and well done it, it, is, yeah. it is a great resource and, and uh, uh for, for those listening on the podcast I'll, I'll link to it on in the description of the episode if anyone wants to uh, check it out because it's definitely worth checking out i i, I am going to um this is coming towards the end of our, of our chat. So I want to um, kind of focus on, on advice because you're, you're a great person for advice. You've, you've had amazing experience and kind of taken kind of a challenging situation, turned it into, you know, success after success. What, particularly for the Graduate Compass podcast, is the, the audience I go for, um, they often, they're struggling. They don't know where to go, what to do. Or they're trying to figure out their, their pathway. What advice would you have for them who were trying to, this was figure things out? 
I would say it's a fine line because I know there's a um, you know there's the old way of thinking you, know, you you can either do what makes you happy or um, you know go go for something that pays well go for a good job you know the, the, that's what my parents tend to say like oh do make sure you study something that does a good job but uh, or that gives you a good job but I think it, what helped me um, discover what I want to do is I. it's really a process of trial and error like if you don't try something a little bit how will you know that you don't like it for me i and i had it i've i've tried to get experience in loads of different areas a lot of um, people tend to pigeonhole their experience so for example uh, a graduate might only do experience in lab um, hospital labs for example trying to get as much clinical experience but how do you know that you don't like working in a corporate environment like it's it It doesn't harm, there's no harm in trying to try lots of different things because at the end of the day if you're getting paid for it that's great but if not that's experience you can put in your cv you're developing skills it doesn't it won't cost you anything to do these things so i'd say try as much as you can and then when you find something that really hooks like hooks onto you go for it like the your 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 heart and your your brain are very good at telling you at the same time yes this is it this is the one to go for so That's what I'd say. Try, try as much as you can. I love it. Great advice. Amos, thank you very much. You're an absolute gentleman. Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.